6: Today's Monday, May 16th, 2022. Coming up on Roller Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. Tragedy in Buffalo. A white domestic terrorist drives more than 200 miles to Buffalo to target innocent black folks shopping at a grocery store tonight. We will honor the 10 lives lost and break down the concept of the Great Replacement Theory, which the white gunman wrote about in his manifesto and which has been advanced by numerous conservative white Republicans. We'll also look at how he was able to purchase uh, the uh, uh, AR-15 rifle, uh, which he used, uh, even though he was under a mental evaluation last year for threatening to kill people at his high school graduation. We'll be joined by uh, Houston Congressman Al Green, uh, to explain how mass shootings affect our economy. We'll also talk about the incident out of Texas where a white boy with a whip demands a black girl come out of her home, but it's the white boy's father who ends up being arrested. Wait until you see this video. A number of people we'll be talking to today. Uh, Damon Hewitt from the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, anti-racist Tim Wise, and so many others, uh, again, to discuss uh, exactly uh, what took place. And today, of course, the prosecutor in Buffalo uh, held a news conference uh, speaking about what their uh, focus is going to be. And, of course, President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden will travel to Buffalo tomorrow. Folks, it is time to bring the phone. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Let's go. He's
1: got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is.
6: 10 people dead at the hands of a white domestic terrorist. Buffalo police say the man Peyton Gendron of Cronklin, New York, committed the heinous act of opening fire on defenseless shoppers at a grocery store in a predominantly black community there in Buffalo. Folks, uh, the shooting was live streamed by the shooter on the gaming platform Twitch. Before the shooting, Jen released a 180-page manifesto detailing his plan. The shooting at a supermarket in Buffalo, uh, New York, is the latest example of something that's been part of U.S. history since the beginning. Uh, Racial violence against black people. So far, there have been more than 200 mass shootings this year. Folks, uh, this was the beginning of the video. Uh, It is obviously disturbing. This is the video where the driver was headed to the grocery store.
7: Go for it. okay.
2: then, right here, growing up.
6: It was at uh, that particular point where uh, he got out of the vehicle uh, and then began uh, to fire upon folks uh, there in the parking lot. Uh, It, um, again, was uh, shocking and stunning uh, when the the news came out. Uh, You also, of course, uh, had unsuspecting uh, folks there. Uh, There was at one point where he was in the store where he was shooting people, uh, and uh, he points a gun at a, at, at a white shooter, excuse me, at, at a white grocer, and the person yells, and he, then you hear him saying, oh, sorry, and then begins to go shoot others. Here's that particular point. He literally says, sorry, uh, when he points the gun at uh, someone white. Um, and uh, if, if, you saw, if you saw there, if you saw the, uh, the, uh, the AR-15 that he possessed, um, he literally had uh, cer- cer- certain things written uh, on uh, the barrel of that particular gun. Uh, he had the N-word uh, that was written uh, on that particular gun. Uh, and uh, this is the actually uh, the weapon here. Uh, this is a, uh, y'all, so you'll see here, here are your reparations. Uh, and then again, on the barrel of the gun, so the number of the markings that he had uh, on the gun as well. Uh, and then on, on, on the barrel of that gun, again, he had uh, the N-word uh, that was written. This was a photo here. Uh, that was uh, Ben Crump posted on his uh, Twitter account, and you'll see he had the N-word there written on uh, the end of that gun. It has uh, been, uh, of course, uh, shocking uh, to so many people uh, what actually took place. Uh, of course, uh, the, uh, the killer uh, was placed into custody. Uh, by uh, the police, um, and again, was, was apprehended at one point. Uh, he put the gun to his uh, uh, to his head, and he was talked out of it. This was video obtained by ABC News, the point where he was arrested.
7: He shot a lot of people up in there. Oh my God. Yo, he shot a lot of people in there. Oh my God. Wow. He a terrorist or something. Yo, he gotta be a terrorist. Oh my god, he shot so many people in there. Wow.
6: Yo. Wow.
7: Wow. Yeah.
6: At one point, the security guard, a retired Buffalo police officer, uh, did fire at him, but he struck his body armor, and then, of course, uh, the killer returned fire. Uh, he was arraigned uh, and his public defender announced a plea of not guilty uh, today uh, of course uh, that was a news conference that took place uh, in Buffalo where the um, well the district attorney uh, where he promised uh, there's going to be a a, a, fa- a fair trial held uh, there in Buffalo but he also announced uh, that uh, they arrested another individual uh, who actually uh, called into a couple of other places uh, uh, threatening, invoking this particular shooting and threatening uh, to also shoot. Well, within 45 minutes, that person uh, was under arrest as well. And so um, it, is, it has been so many things happening uh, so quickly and people still are shocked and stunned. Keep in mind, uh, this is reminiscent of what took place at Emmanuel AME in Charleston, South Carolina, where nine black people were gunned down in a Bible study by the white supremacist Dylan Roof. Uh, and of course, uh, he is uh, in federal prison uh, as we speak. Joining us today, Damon Hewitt is president, executive director of the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights uh, Under uh, Law. Glad to have him on the show. Tim Wise, anti-racism education uh, educator, also joins us. Plus, uh, Congressman Al Green of Houston joins us as well. Um, uh, first and foremost, uh, first and foremost, uh, Congressman, uh, I'll start with you, and that is. Um, Look, there's a human toll when it comes to these mass shootings, Uh, and uh, obviously, you already have family members who have been hiring lawyers, uh, all these different things, but at the end of the day, uh, what we have is the FBI director has been saying several times over the last several years, uh, has been downplayed uh, by Republicans that white domestic terrorism is the greatest threat in this country right now.
8: It is. And uh, I sit on Homeland Security. That's been made perspicuously clear to us on numerous occasions uh, in the presence of my colleagues. And I still see that there are many who choose not to accept this. But it's not just them. The business community has not spoken out. The business community has a lot to lose. Revenue is at some point going to be down. Because you can't allow these kinds of tragedies, these mass murders to take place, and not have that impact your business. So they've got a duty to speak up. And if they speak up and talk to the people that they're making these contributions to, that can make a difference. They heavily support Republicans. It's time for the business community to speak up. And the clergy. The clergy is supposed to be out front on these kinds of issues. Dr. King said that one of his great disappointments was in the white clergy. I, too, am disappointed in the clergy. The clergy should speak out. Families (laughs) are suffering. Uh, Businesses are hurting and people are dying. They need to talk up and speak up. To that particular
6: point, uh, Tim Wise, you have said numerous times, we've said it as well, uh, that it's incumbent upon white Americans to deal with other white folks about this issue. Uh, You have efforts to uh, radicalize these young white men. You have folks in conservative radio and television and digital media who are advancing this great replacement theory. If you read that manifesto, even though he was critical of Fox News in it, but this manifesto sounds as if this person could have been a producer on Tucker Carlson's TV show.
9: Right. I mean, Tucker Carlson has, has invoked the great replacement theory, according to The New York Times, about 400 times. In the last few years, uh, he has tr- he has traded and trafficked in this same rhetoric, and you cannot escape responsibility for that. Just because this particular shooter didn't cite you, yes, he he learned this stuff in the fever swamps of 4chan and all these different you know image boards and different sites. But those folks who run those sites are emboldened by the Tucker Carlsons. They talk about how great it is that they've got the number one talk show host in America saying the same stuff that they say. Andrew Anglin, who's with the Daily Stormer, one of the biggest neo-Nazis in America, Mm -hmm. has said the same thing, that they are now sounding like the white nationalists. So even if this individual didn't get marching orders from the likes of Tucker Carlson or various congresspersons uh, that that have parroted the same stuff, it is all part of the same doom loop that is feeding one another. And let's be very, very clear, it is inevitable that replacement theory leads to violence. This is not a normal sort of debate about what's the best immigration policy, right? Like, good people can disagree about that. But what they are saying is not simply, oh, these silly Democrats, they don't understand the impact of, you know, immigration on the economy or whatever. No, no, they're saying that the Democrats or the globalists, or for some of them, they say the Jews, are deliberately trying to replace you with brown people and with black people. They are trying to exterminate you. They are trying to genocide you. Tucker Carlson has said on his show, they hate you and they want to hurt you. Once you you weave that conspiratorial narrative and you pose it as an existential threat, all bets are off, because at that point we can't have a rational discussion about immigration anymore. It's kill or be killed. Words have consequences, and these words have been getting people killed, and they're going to continue to do so until we say enough is enough.
6: Uh, Damon, uh, here's actually a a clip from one of the numerous clips of Tucker Carlson on Fox News advancing this very issue.
10: I'm laughing because this is one of about 10 stories that I know you've covered um, where the government shows preference to people who have shown absolute contempt for our customs, our laws, Mm. our system itself and they're being treated better than American citizens. Now, I know that the left and all the little gatekeepers on Twitter become literally hysterical if you use the term replacement, if you suggest that the Democratic Party is trying to replace the current electorate, the voters now casting ballots, mm. with new people, more obedient voters from the third world. But they become hysterical because that's, that's what's happening, actually, let's just say it, that's mm. true. If, if, look, if this was happening in your house, if you were in sixth grade, for example, and without telling you your, kid, your parents adopted a bunch of new siblings and gave them brand new bikes and let them stay up later and help them with their homework and gave them twice the allowance that they gave you, you would say to your siblings, you know, I think we're being replaced by, by kids that our parents love more. And it would be kind of hard to argue against you because look at the evidence. So this matters on a bunch of different levels, but on the most basic level, it's a voting rights question. In a democracy, one person equals one vote. If you change the population, you dilute the political power of the people who live there. So every time they import a new voter, I become disenfranchised as a Mm. current voter. So I don't Mm. understand why we don't understand this. I mean, everyone wants to make a racial issue out of it. Ooh, the, you know, white replacement theory. No, no, no. This is a voting rights question. I have less political power because they're importing a brand new electorate. Why should I sit back and take that? The power that I have as an American guaranteed at birth is one man, one vote. And they're diluting it. No, they're not allowed to do that. Why are we putting up with this?
6: And not only that, Damon, you have Republicans in office, people like Representative Lee Stefanik, who actually have been running Facebook ads, actually speaking to the same issue. Damon? Right. But
11: got, got, got it rolling. <coughs> Look, this, is, this is classic. Uh, public enemy said it best. It's fear of a black <coughs> oh, brown planet, at that. Um, this is sick. It is depraved. But there's so many apologists, not just elected officials, not just people, uh, media, but apologists all over the place, people who claim to be decent people who are not speaking out, right, as, as you and other guests have said earlier. And the question is going to really be, Who's going to take the weight? Now, Roland, at the lawyers' community, we've sued England. We've sued the Proud Boys. We've sued the Oath Keepers. We've sued Trump and Roger Stone. And we often win these lawsuits, but it's still not enough to just. We need to actually have uh, a, a game plan, a martial plan, for this number one domestic terror threat. Now, DOJ and uh, the higher-ups have their plan. They, but the, the Biden administration has its plan. We do trainings, you know, for law enforcement, for all kinds of folks about responding to hate against Black people, to value Black life. But that's not making people value and appreciate Black life, these 10 lives that were lost, the lives that were lost in Charleston, the lives that were lost to state and police violence. There's a continuum. It is a disregard for Black life. And the question we keep asking is, when will our lives matter enough that those with the power to act will do whatever it takes to protect us, to deem us worthy of concern, of empathy, of that protection. And we're sick and tired of it, sick and tired of it.
6: And Congressman Green, this is where uh, Democratic House leaders have to get even more aggressive. Uh, Look, you're in control right now. Uh, We don't know what's going to happen in November. Uh, People are suggesting that Republicans could very well take control of the House and the Senate. I keep saying, at the very people who supported the insurrection on January 6th, the very people uh, who use this great, great replacement theory language, these people could very well be in charge of the United States Congress come January 2023. This is an existential threat in the United States Capitol.
8: Without question, it is. And I think we also have to make mention with some degree of specificity what you have to say when you speak up and why. You have to acknowledge that those who tolerate white supremacy perpetuate white supremacy. So we have to make sure that we are not complicit with our uh, toleration of white supremacy. And, and, and also the Democrats. I'm a Democrat. I'm a liberated Democrat, unbought, unbossed, unafraid. I think that you cannot allow the Democratic Party to be perceived as the party that will expect your vote, expect your vote but will not deliver what is promised. We have the House, the Senate, and the presidency. We have a duty, a responsibility, and an obligation to fulfill the promises that we've made because we are perceived to be in control. We cannot allow it said to be said that one party will disrespect us by simply ignoring us, and the other one will take us for granted. For too long now, people have perceived the Democratic Party as taking Democrats' of color for granted. We want your vote, we campaign for it, but we don't deliver. Democrats have been in power many, 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 many many times in this country, it's not the first time. And we still find ourselves fighting the same battles. It's time for the Democratic Party to do more than simply acquire our votes. It's got to deliver on the promises
6: made. Tim, this is a um, thread that I saw uh, earlier today um, from A doctor said, this threat is for white parents like me. If you have a kid who spends any time online or plays video games, they are being being targeted and recruited to white nationalism. I guarantee it. Video game forums, Discord, video game chats, YouTube video ads, all of it. If that kid is a boy, he is vulnerable because white boys are socially trained to repress their feelings, to act tough. That manliness equals imposing your will. Even if you think you are raising a feminist boy, he is still getting those messages from his peers and other adults. And this person goes on and on and on yeah. with this with his very long thread. Uh, and again, when you look at this individual here, you look at Dylan Roof, we can go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we are seeing folks who are prime targets for uh, white racists, developing them to do exactly what uh, he did.
9: Right, I mean, you know, the, the, the white nationalist and white supremacist are incredibly effective at recruiting and they target very young folks, not even just teenagers. I mean, Andrew Anglin famously talked about wanting to target middle schoolers, feeling as though high school students were almost too old, right? It would be better if you got them at 11 or 12 or even 10. And a lot of folks on those gaming platforms, a lot of that stuff is essentially unmoderated. And so this young man goes on, in his case, I guess, 4chan, and he says, you know, I was bored. I got on there. And I'll just take him at his word. Maybe, you know, he wasn't really into this stuff prior to that. So he says he starts looking at memes, and various posts and that's what convinced him right that black people were taking over and and latinos were taking over we need to make sure our young people understand and adults too for that matter memes are not evidence Pictures with a few words on them are not footnotes, right? We need to be sure that we're teaching critical thinking and critical media discernment skills, including social media discernment skills with young people. Because if I can go on and see a meme and say, oh, my, well, that's a fact. And then, you you know, you check it and you determine actually the statistic is fabricated or completely out of context. But if I'm 15, if I'm 13, if I'm 18, hell, if I'm 38 and I don't have those skills, it doesn't take much for a person to be convinced if they're already, you know, vulnerable to that or psychologically sort of predisposed to that. So we've got to do a much better job. Parents who put their kids in front of video games (coughs) or think everything's fine. You know, (coughs) Cleveland and Harris and Columbine thought their kids were fine too. And they were shocked when they shot up the school. Uh, And so, you know, every single time we hear the same thing, they were so quiet, yeah, they were quiet. They were learning about white supremacy online. You don't have to talk when you're doing that, you just read right? And so we've got to be clear that uh, we have to be much more active at parenting, much more active at teaching. And and this disproves very clearly the need to cut back on anti-racist education, as some folks are pushing. We need to be doing more of it to inoculate young people to this mess before they get into it.
6: And that point right there, Damon, is critical because the attacks that we're seeing on critical race theory, the attacks on diversity, on equity and inclusion— it is all a part of what I lay out in my book, Dropping in September, White Fear, that this is what this is about. This is an effort all across this country uh, for people uh, to say, you know what? The, the country is changing, okay? Uh, you know, in terms of what's going on, and, and oh my goodness, uh, you know, uh, we shouldn't be having these things because they want to remain in power. This is about not having to share power and resources with people that look like us. That's exactly right, Roland. Th- this is what undergirds
11: the culture wars that are making their presence felt uh, with this replacement theory nonsense, uh, with the attacks on voter rights, voting rights and voter suppression, uh, when it comes to even reproductive rights. A, the culture war is about grabbing power and otherizing anyone who is not in power or who is in that out group, And those people happen to look like me and you. Uh, and look, one other point I want to make is that uh, what, what your guest said is right, Congressman Green and Tim Wise, uh, and what point you made, this attack, live-streamed at least in part, it looks like one of those video games, mm-hmm. right? If it wasn't so darn serious and sober and, and horrific, you'd think it was one of those video games, but it actually makes it more accessible, which is why, I appreciate you for showing a limited clip, because when some of these folks watch the whole thing, they may not even get it. They may think, oh, this is sport. This is what we should be doing, hunting black folks, right? Uh, th- this, this stuff is scary, and it is being socialized, and we need all hands on deck to stop it. That means not just government, because this is not just a government issue, this is a, a cultural issue. That's a cultural problem decades long in the making, generations in the making, right? And so we need big tech, big business, every platform to look inward and think, how do you actually want to show up in this country, in this world? If you have black employees, you give money to black organizations, do you really care about black lives? And if you do, then maybe you should change practices in the process.
6: Um, Congressman Green, Daryl Scott, who supported Donald Trump, other Republicans, he sent this tweet out. Uh, today uh, that certainly uh, uh, caught my attention. Folks, pull the tweet up, please. He said, The lack of expression of sympathy for 10 dead American victims of a mass shooting by the leaders of the right is bad. They expressed more sympathy for Kyle Rittenhouse, who killed three people, and Nicholas Salmon, who who got stared at, than for the 10 dead innocents in Buffalo. That includes...
8: It does. And it also includes uh, some of the evangelicals. Uh, it includes uh, persons who are associated with the Chamber of Commerce. The Chamber of Commerce has to speak out, and it has to say, white supremacy is unacceptable. They have got to con- condemn it. And they have to be very clear about that, because, until the business community speaks out loudly, those checks that they keep giving to my friends on the other side are influencing them. If the business community says no more, that can have an impact on those in Congress who are not as sensitive as they should be. And you're right, there are a good many people on the right who are just not as sensitive to the people who have died as they were to a person who did uh, some of the killing in another incident. And some of these people also, I must add this many of them, many of them, They see, to a certain extent, the persons who do this kind of thing as a part of their constituency. And, as a result, they don't want to alienate constituents uh, to the extent that uh, they may not support them. There is a constituency in the Republican Party that consists of persons who subscribe to this white supremacy ideology. It's been manifested in the comments that have been made. And they have got a duty. To abandon that constituency, they've got to do it.
6: And that right there, Tim Wise, is the key. These are their voters. Right. There's a reluctance to say something because these are their voters. Right. Donald Trump admitted
9: as much internally. We've seen that now. A few of the people that have written tell-all books, you know, have talked about how after Charlottesville. Um, He he wouldn't speak out. He said he couldn't condemn these people because these are my people. This was his terminology. Uh, These were people that he knew he needed. So even though the folks in Charlottesville murdered Heather Heyer, uh, even though David Duke showed up in Charlottesville and said, we are here to fulfill the agenda of Donald Trump, at the end of the day, they could not distance themselves. I, I, the congressman knows full well that, if he were to introduce a resolution tomorrow uh, that said, you know, it was very simple. It wouldn't name Tucker Carlson. It wouldn't have to name Donald Trump. It wouldn't have to name anybody. If it just said, the resolution would say something to the effect of, we condemn white supremacy, we condemn the great replacement theory and those who, who peddle it, very simple, without naming names, he knows. We all know. It would pass, but it, but only because Democrats have control of those chambers. You know that the majority of Republicans would not, in fact, vote for that resolution. And it wouldn't pass at all if they take over in November. Not that that resolution would change anything or necessarily save any lives, but it says a lot, doesn't it, that they wouldn't even do that for fear of offending a significant portion. Of their base. 50%, according to a recent AP poll, 50% of Republicans openly acknowledge that they believe that there may be some type of plot to replace, you know, sort of what Tucker Carlson calls legacy Americans. We know what that is with newcomers. So you've got half the party basically endorsing replacement theory. You ain't going to publicly condemn it. That's where we are in
6: this country right now. Indeed. Tim Wise, I appreciate it. Thank you so very much for joining us. Congressman Al Green, we appreciate you joining us as well. Thanks, y'all. Damon Hewitt is going to stay with us. I'm going to bring in uh, my other panelists here. Uh, Reverend Jeff Carr, of course, uh, he is out of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, The Affinity Fellowship, Dr. Omakongo Dabinga, professorial professor lecture at uh, American University. Glad to have him here as well. We'll be joined shortly by Dr. Julian Malveaux, uh as well. Uh, this Earlier today <clears throat> the Attorney General of New York State uh, spoke at a news conference, uh, and this is what uh, he had to say.
13: Once I do a briefing on the arraignment, on the indictment, I again shut down again until trial. So just kinda of want to let everyone from out of town know how I operate. I've been operating that way for the past five and a half years. I'm gonna to continue to operate that way, even though obviously this is a very high profile case. The second thing I want to say is that you know I I understand that there is a court of public opinion out there. I understand that there's the narrative out there that there is so much evidence, it's overwhelming. Yeah, this guy is guilty. This guy did it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, I understand that court of opinion. I, I understand emotions are high. I understand the rawness of this matter. However, I do not operate in the court of public opinion. I operate in a court of law. And this defendant is innocent until proven guilty. Let me repeat that. He is innocent until proven guilty. He has only been charged right now with one charge, and that's it. It is an accusation, it is an allegation, and that's all it is. As a prosecutor, I have three communities that I have to protect their rights. I have to protect the rights of the public the victims and the defendant. And I have to ensure that the defendant has a fair trial.
6: Fine, look, bottom line is we, 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 we get all of that. But, but the reality here, uh, Damon, we got the shooter on video. Right. He live streamed with the weapon, fingerprints on it, captured. I get all that, his ass guilty. He did it. I get what we got to say allegedly. I get we got to see all of that. Bottom line is, this is the killer. This is the murderer. And I'm not going to wait till a jury affirms that to call him a white domestic terrorist and a murderer.
11: Well, look, you know, you heard the Department of Justice, Attorney General, come out and say this is being investigated in parallel. And Kristen Clark at the Civil Rights Division uh, has been clear as well that this is being investigated as a racially motivated hate crime. Why can't the attorney general say that uh, of, of New York State? Now, there are certain things as a prosecutor you cannot say, right, because you prejudge and prejudice the jury, what have you, jury pool. But some of what we hear, in fact, most of what we just heard is absolutely and totally unnecessary as a matter of law, as a matter of strategy, as a matter of morality. It did not need to be said, period, point blank. It's almost as if he's concurring sympathy and empathy uh, for this shooter. It's absolutely and totally unnecessary. Now, does that sound... any Listeners, your, your audience out there, does that sound and look like somebody who is committed to justice for the black folks and the white folks who, who were attacked, killed, or shot and their loved ones? It does not sound like that to me. Now, I'm not saying that they won't get a conviction on the highest charges especially, but, my goodness, this is a time to instill confidence, support, concern, and empathy not for the shooter or lead shooter, but for the victims and the loved ones in the community and the people who have to look over their backs when you go to a grocery store, when you get stopped by the police, who are just going to vote, going to get groceries, riding the bus, riding the metro. Today I was with, I sat next to Heather Heyer's mother, Susan Bro, and we were there at the University of Maryland College Park campus with the parents of First Lieutenant Richard W. Collins III, who was murdered on that campus by a white supremacist. He was a student from Bowie State visiting Maryland campus, was murdered by a white supremacist. Today, the university unre- unveiled a memorial in his honor. It shouldn't have taken five years of effort to get there. It shouldn't have taken bloodshed on that campus. It shouldn't take, have taken the pain. And it took a black state's attorney, Aisha Brave Boy, to prosecute that case and secure conviction against his killer. Now, I'm not saying that only black prosecutors can get the job done. I would never say that. But you have to be able to express empathy and concern for black victims, black people, for the black community. And I did not hear that whatsoever in those statements. Uh,
6: and in fact, that was uh, a, a woman who came up uh, shortly thereafter, uh, if y'all have that clip ready. Uh, and um, she spoke to that issue after the after attorney general spoke. Yeah.
4: Um, This is a community that is, without a doubt, in a lot of pain. Uh, People are hurting. But I want to commend law enforcement, who are collectively working with the mayor and his team to do exactly what should happen, and that is to make sure that justice prevails. I will remind you all, though, that as an African-American, there are a lot of people in this community who are hurting because they know that justice for all is not specific enough sometimes people get left out of that justice this can't happen this time it can't happen this time i understand just like the guy who called in the the threats to the pizzeria and to the beer establishment you're innocent until you're proven guilty but this young man was walking around with a camera on his head he showed the whole world what he was doing and i understand he got to go through a court i get that But a lot of the anger that people are having aside from the fact that their loved ones have been murdered for going to the supermarket, is that justice is not specific enough. This can't be another one of those cases. I wanna honor all the people who have called my office from all over the state offering support to this community, including the businesses that have called and offered to support the families with food, with hotels, with airlines to be able to get here to come to a funeral. including the people who are willing to help pay for the funeral. People have poured out their love to Buffalo, and that's what we're gonna pour back. That's how we're going to heal. People who wanna bring us hate and expect us to assume that hate because that's what they have, is not gonna happen here. There will not be an outpouring of hate. There will be an outpouring of healing. We will all heal together, and we will ensure this time Mr. D'A, Mr. Law Enforcement, and Ms. Trini, that justice for all is specific enough, and it means everybody gets justice in America. Thank you.
6: Well, now here- um, I actually go back to the video. This is the mayor of Buffalo speaking. Uh, actually, thank you, Mr. I, mayor. He speak. I'll, on I'll play the people in in a second. County, I just uh, you, you heard that, Jeff. That's just the... she echoed what Damon said. Uh, when it comes to justice.
5: Absolutely. And and I'm excited to hear her say it. We're reaching a point in America where particularly uh, Black people are tired of playing the game. Uh, as Attorney uh, Damon pointed out, as Attorney Hewitt pointed out, there's things that po- prosecutors have to say in order to uh, make it seem as if they're fair. But then there are other times where you look at a situation like this, you look at a crisis like this, you look at a, an act of terrorism like this, and the best, uh, the best way to go forward is to just simply keep your mouth shut. Uh, you would have done less harm just by not, keep, not saying anything, but to say that we're just going to work to make sure that we get justice, call it a day. Don't try to give us a caveat, don't give us a back explanation, because it appears as if you are trying to uh, speak in coded language uh, and say that in some ways you empathize. Uh, we're hearing and seeing this play out in real time. And that's what's happening in America today. It's no longer having to find street cameras. It's no longer trying to track down eyewitnesses. We are seeing it happen in real time. This shooter knew exactly what he was doing. I've been to Buffalo once in my life, and it didn't take me long to realize that the east side of Maine, at that neighborhood where the Tops is, is not only a food desert, but it's where 85% of Black people in Buffalo live. So for this cat to drive two hours, three hours, four hours to get to that specific location, to come in with body armor, to have a a camera broadcasting live, Uh, three million plus people saw it on Twitch before it was taken down. It was captured and shared on many other platforms since. This is cold-blooded racist murder. And I'm so glad that now, anytime you stand up, and try to act as if justice is completely blind, that there are now emerging people in the world who are going to say, pardon my French, bullshit. This sister has called him on that. And this is the beginning of a cacophony of people who will begin to call this out. And that's where we're moving toward, where you're not just going to be able to get by with the past and set up a GoFundMe. We're going to sit and pray about it, and it's going to be over. People are ready to move forward and to make uh, action that is tangible, that is going to bring about change, and everybody who has been through the hell that we have been through in this country is here for it.
6: Um, Julianne, uh, the woman who was there uh, speaking, uh, they, they, first of all, there were a number of people uh, who uh, spoke at that news conference, uh, and then that was uh, Assemblywoman uh, Cri- Representative uh, Crystal uh, Peoples-Stokes uh, uh, who spoke there and she is the uh, majority leader of the New York State uh, Assembly. Um, the When we talk about justice uh, I, I also I think about um, uh, uh, Charleston, Emanuel A.M.E. where uh, it was not long afterwards. So many people, they were going right to forgiveness uh, and What's interesting here is you ain't hearing that right now. You're not good, because that, that, that was a huge refrain. Everybody said, oh, forgive the shooter. And uh, then, then American media just took off with that. Oh, I mean, oh, my God, it's just the forgiveness. No, no. No, you know, this is the fruit
14: of anti-blackness. This is what we get when we have a climate of anti-blackness in this country. And we've had it for a very long time. The Dylan Roof, they gave that boy a burger before they arrested him. You know, uh, we can go just go down the list. So what we end up when we have a series of voices that disrespect black people, when Ted Cruz attacks Kataji, our Supreme Court justice, when Lindsey Graham behaves like, a you know what, um, trying to cut down on my cursing, so you know what, uh, in, in response to that, sister, you are sending little white boys that that punk. You're sending him a signal. It's okay to attack black people, and that's exactly what he did. The whole thing is unfathomable. I am so sick. I mean, I'm a Christian. We all Christians, but I'm sick of these Christians who we go think and we go pray. My thoughts and prayers are with you. Shove it. Uh, we have to have more than thoughts and prayers. We have to have action. I mean, I'm. We we And it's it not about taking it just to the streets. It's really about. Uh, I hate to say it, but at some level, we have to define our justice. I did a radio program this morning and talked about this. Um, and three brothers called immediately after I'd said some things. Called to say, "You. Yeah, this is why I don't believe in gun control. We have to arm ourselves. We have to support ourselves. We have to protect ourselves." And while I'm not hoping that we turn into the wild, wild west. There is something to be said for that. When these irresponsible white boys, whose mamas and daddies have taught them to hate, who the internet and others have taught them to hate, when they're running around with guns and bulletproof vests, this one brother came on, he had me cracking up, he said, next time they need to shoot at the head or the legs because they always have bulletproof vests again i'm not advocating i'm just saying but it clearly there are a number of us who have this is enough it's a you know what enough we've had it it's ridiculous and i the sister rob i've been in her company she's a she's a badass crystal us uh, stokes she's she's a, you know she's, she's doing she's handling her business and i really i appreciate her work and what she's doing and she called it if you have somebody on video shooting 13 people, killing 10, mostly black. You know, why are we not calling out, you know, white identity extremists? Remember about three years ago, there was this big old FBI memo, black identity extremists. And, you know, I wrote a piece and I got in trouble for it saying, well, I could be called one too, a black identity extremist. I have a black identity. I'm extreme about white hate. But now, you don't see the FBI, they should have been all this long, collecting data on these devils collecting data on these devils who would shoot us up and, as well as they would get up in the morning and have a piece of toast.
6: Um, when we talk about um, w- where we stand, I mean, this is, in, in la- specific language matters, Omakongo. This was a white domestic terror attack. You have the Associated Press being criticized because in one of their tweets they called him a teenager. But Mike Brown was a man. Both were 18. Uh, it, it's all, And then folks immediately go to um, the mental aspect. You go to the whole reframing. This individual is a white domestic terrorist. White media needs to give the same level of attention to this man and his friends and his family as they would if that sh- if he was muslim
15: hello oh most definitely <laughs> there's no doubt about it and you you mentioned the situation about him being 18 years old they called tamir rice a young man at 14 so they have no problem no with tamir rice was 12. 12. 12. My, my apologies. They have no problem with the adultification of 12-year-olds with their black, but him, they still want to bring up this mental health issue. They still potential mental health issue. Well, I mean, look, the guy went to school in a hazmat suit at high school, threatened to, bring, to shoot up a school. The question is, if there were these real mental health issues, how did he get the opportunity to purchase these guns legally or get them from his parents? I believe his father bought one of the guns as well. So really, at the end of the day, this is nothing but complete hypocrisy from top to bottom. I'm sitting here thinking about those families. I'm thinking about the the, the woman who was killed coming from the nursing home, visiting her husband who was there, Who's going to visit him now? I'm thinking about the sister who was 32 years old, who was, who moved up to there to take care of her, her brother, who I believe who had leukemia. Who's going to take care of him now? Our community is being destroyed by people like this, who are being fueled by people who are also racist and identity extremists like a Tucker Carlson. Because really, at the end of the day, I'm hoping that these companies like Toyota that we talked about a little a while ago about donating to these organizations, the sponsors of these, of these TV shows, are all paying attention because we got to start for them in harder numbers in terms of how we call them out. And we also have to remember that when it comes to these, this guy was not a lone wolf, as people want to call him, because he had all of white racist supremacist America behind him. He had all of these Congress people behind him that Representative Al Green talked about. They were behind him as well. And really, at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, America is dealing with a tale of two theories right now. Because these Republicans and these conservatives, they're fighting to ban, quote-unquote, critical race theory in school. But because of these bans, we're not going to be able to teach about what happened today with this white replacement theory because it's going to be banned from being talked about in the schools going forward. And so this is why we can't give up. we got to keep calling this nonsense out. we got to keep calling every single organization, every single politician, every single host who was out there. And again, Roland, we have to go hard on these sponsors. We have to go hard on these sponsors. We got Major League Baseball to move an all-star game from Georgia a couple of years ago with the whole voting rights issues. We need that type of effort again because that's how Tucker Carlson is gonna go. And the last thing I wanna say is something Joe Madison said on this show today. When we talk about white replacement theory, it's amazing because when white people came here, they weren't in the majority, they were in the minority. How did they become the majority in the first place, right? Through extermination, Mm -hmm. through disease, through termination. And so we're even starting from the wrong point of departure when we talk about white replacement theory because we're talking about them as if they were always in the majority in this country. We got to change the narrative and we got to define and make sure that we're fighting on our terms. And that's why I appreciate what you're doing tonight, Roland. I appreciate how you edited those videos because those are our Those are our mothers, our brothers, our cousins, our uncles, our sisters. We saw that sister wailing on the floor. Those are our family members that we can all identify with, and we're not going to stop until this stops. And like Dr. King said, you cannot legislate morality, but you can regulate behavior, and we're going to get out here and make sure that these behaviors stop, period, bottom line.
6: This is what's strange, Damon. Uh, Sarah Dorn uh, is a reporter Uh, in uh, New York this is what she said Uh, go to my computer please my iPad I New York state police said they did not file for a protection order that could have stopped the Buffalo shooter from buying a gun under the state's red flag law after they were called to his school to investigate a murder suicide threat he made what the hell is the whole point of the damn law if you don't use it Exactly. Exactly. It's supposed to be
11: a prophylactic, not something that you think about after the fact. And look, if domestic white supremacist domestic terrorism is the number one domestic terror threat, we have to, in this country, act like we know. And what that means is not just the vocal speaking out, which we've all talked about, which is critical, but putting your money where your mouth is, but also deploying resources properly. If local, state, federal law enforcement resources were all aligned in deployment to address this threat, then you may actually start to see some differences. You won't stop all of this madness from mm-hmm. happening, but you could actually stop some of it. I take, do believe.
6: D- 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 Damon, but- take this out. She also tweets, school officials, well, she literally posted this about 15 minutes ago, school officials or family could have also asked for an e- uh, ERPO. But law enforcement uh, should have, uh, law enforcement uh, have the motivation and resources to do so in Suffolk County, where the most red flag ERPO's have been granted of any New York counties by far, law enforcement requested all but two since the law went into effect. So not just law enforcement, the school or the family could have done it. None did. They That's knew right. this kid... They knew that this 18-year-old man was a danger. That's right, because
11: white children and white young adults and white grown folks get second... Third, fourth chances, benefit of the doubt. Black children get targeted and labeled. We know that crime is racialized and race is criminalized. Because uh, a black a black youngster in that situation, or a black 18-year-old, a young adult, or a black elder, would be targeted and labeled as a thug. There's no question in my mind that will be that will be the label, and they will be treated very differently. We have law enforcement throughout the country in various parts of the country. Collecting information about children in school, trying to determine who's part of a who's part of a gang, who's likely to be a, uh, who's likely to be engaged in a life or crime. But they're focusing on black and brown children. They're not focusing on these domestic terror threats. They're not asking who's playing these video games. They're not asking who is sending threatening notes at school. And if they are asking, they're not really doing a whole lot about it, not in a concerted way. So we need a whole scale redeployment of human capital, of fiscal capital, of intellectual and emotional capital in this country toward addressing the threats that we know exist.
6: Um, what's strange here, uh, Jeff, this is the uh, front page uh, of the uh, Buffalo News, their digital uh, site. Uh, and you see here, Tops. look on look the far right, Tops manager says gunman was asked to leave store day before racist massacre. So he was there on Friday, uh, and came back uh, on Saturday. Um, that that just again, just when you just look at uh, just how unbelievable, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and crazy this uh, th- this mass shooting was, um, it, it's just it's 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 crazy. And again, law enforcement, your job is to pre- your, well, people say you can't anticipate these things. You can use the laws when, when, a, when a crazy fool shows up in school in a hazmat suit, threatens a mass shooting at graduation, and you do nothing. Yeah, that's a good indication something might happen down the road. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's it's a red flag. It's a warning sign. That's why you have ERPOS or extreme risk protection orders. It's preventative maintenance. You want to make sure that it's better to be safe than sorry. Uh, When I think about these shooters and all the excuses that are made, uh, when I think about a Dylan Roof. When I think about a Kyle Rittenhouse, when I think about a Peyton Gendrum now, when I think about 15 minutes away from where I'm sitting right now in 2018, uh, a Travis Rinking who walked into a Waffle House uh, that was in a predominantly African-American neighborhood and targeted them, all of this, we, we see the same pattern. We see the same motif. Uh, we see people begin to make excuse for these young men who are being radicalized by what they read and see on the Internet. Uh, I thought it was interesting, fascinating, the last set, a segment that you had where you had Tim Wise, and he was talking about how these kids are caught in a vulnerable space. This happens to all of us. Uh, one of the reasons why people turn to things like religion and drugs is that they are in a very low space, and that is when people come in to be able to define the other as the problem. The other is the issue. In America right now, we have this large dialogue that is uh, defining the other as minorities, as people of color, as women, as LGBTQ communities. Specifically with us, we are the other. And it's as if Uh, this belief in this great replacement theory has any substantial uh, place in reality. You hear me talk all the time, and I say there's a difference between belief and knowing, and belief is what exists in in absence of provable fact. We have young people who don't have to follow logic. They don't have to follow the law because they believe in white supremacy. They believe that domestic terrorism is a way for them to remain relevant, and they believe that there is some kind of plot the plot coming internationally from people who in the United States are disenfranchised and do not control the legal or the governmental system, somehow we've been able to create this plot to kill the people who established America as a white supremacist culture. It makes absolutely no sense, but to a true believer, to a person who will believe in what the Republican Party is continuing to fuel, to what the conservative right and white supremacists are continuing to fuel, it makes complete sense that the reason why my life uh, is relegated to a basement where I'm stuck on the internet or a video game is because there is some successful African American out there plotting against me to make sure that my country is brown because my families aren't having any more children. We are caught in this fantasy of insanity, and that's why we have to begin to now take charge of these conversations, define what our communities need, and we have to frankly, one of the things that we frankly have to do, we talked about it on this show, aside from moving the release date of White Fear up a couple of months so we can understand what's really going on, we have to lose our addictions, Roland. We as a people have to lose our addictions. We gotta lose our addictions to these sporting events that yes, make us jump high and jump strong and long, but if they're being sponsored by companies who are supporting the likes of Fox News, we gotta say, no go. We gotta stop the musical festivals, the music, the alcohol, the spaces that I say are good for us to relieve pain, to get a chance to relax. I say all fun, we gotta have fun with work, but we've got to lose our addiction and ask ourselves, are we willing right now to come together as individuals, as families, as communities, as a nation, and say, if you support white domestic terrorism in any shape, form, or fashion, that I don't care if you bring in an all-star lineup, we are going to cut our addiction, and we're going to bleed you dry until you decide
12: ...side that
5: it's more important for us to have a just society than it is to ride our backs and to continue to put us at the bottom and benefit from our pain. It's four
15: o'clock.
6: I was coughing, Turn my microphone off. Damon, know you have to go, but I want to give you a final comment. This is a USA Today story here. So uh, the killer uh, grew up in Conklin, New York, upstate New York. White people, 90% of the population. Latinos, 7%. Blacks and Asians make up less than 1%. Yet this white domestic terrorist was, sh- was sure that white people were, g- were going to be made extinct in this country.
11: It is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, you know, And it just shows the, the logical fallacy, the, the irrational nature of this fear, uh, of this, this so-called theory. Uh, it is completely trumped up. You know, Governor Hulker in, in New York said it best that, uh, to paraphrase her at least, that when he went to this top supermarket in this community, it was the blackest area for hours around. He had to go hunt, literally, for black folks, because he couldn't find enough to target where he is does that sound like replacement absolutely not uh completely fallacious com- completely false um and to deadly consequence to deadly, people have to be held accountable anyone espousing this theory anyone who is apologizing for people who do anyone who hesitates to hold accountable those who do those people themselves need to be the focus of all of our scrutiny and all of
6: our might. Uh, indeed. Damon Hewitt, Lawrence Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. We certainly appreciate you joining us. Thank you so very much. Thank you, bro. All right, folks. Got to go to a break. We come back. Uh, we'll talk more about uh, the tragic shooting in Buffalo. Ten people killed on Saturday. That, si- that city still trying to recover from this shocking and stunning incident. Uh, we'll have more next, right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the black star network back in a moment i'm deborah owens america's wealth coach and host of get wealthy let me hit you with a few numbers
14: african americans spend nine times the amount on ethnic beauty products and yet only own one percent of the beauty supply stores it's an 18 billion dollar industry on the next Get Wealthy, you're going to learn and hear from a woman who's turning this obstacle into an opportunity. We literally take you from A to Z on all of the things, step-by-step, step, you need to have in place to open and run a very successful beauty supply store. That's right here with me, Deborah Owens, host of Get Wealthy, only on Blackstar Network.
12: Next on A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, summertime when the living is easy, or is it? Summer vacations, class reunions, kids, and summer camp, all fun, but stressful. You need to get into a summer mindset and have a plan. Oh yes, our panel gives us their favorite summer planning hacks. On a next A Balanced Life with Dr. Jackie here at Black Star Network.
7: Carl Payne
6: pretended to be Roland Martin.
5: Holla! You are watching Roland Martin, and I'm on his show
17: today, and it's... What? Huh?
5: You should have some true cards!
17: Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy Jacob Lattimore, and you're not watching Roland Martin right now. Eee!
3: 10 and people in cold blood at a grocery store on Saturday afternoon. Jill and I, like all of you, pray for the victims and their families and a devastated community. I've been receiving updates from my team in the White House. That's in close contact with the Justice Department. We're still gathering the facts. While already the Justice Department has stated publicly that is investigating the matter as a hate crime, racially motivated act of white supremacy and violent extremism. As they do, we must all work together to address the hate that remains a stain on the soul of America. The hearts are heavy once again, but a resolve must never ever waver. We expect so much from our law enforcement officers today. This is a different world we're in. Just in the last several years, it's so much more complicated. The job is complicated. Yet we expect so much more of all of you. So many of you are literally and figuratively get caught in a crossfire. You're not trained psychologists. You're law enforcement officers. We expect you to be everything. We expect everything of you. Being a cop today is a heck of a lot harder than it's ever been. That was President Joe Biden speaking
6: yesterday at the National Peace Officers Memorial uh, event taking place here in Washington, D.C. The White House announced yesterday that he and First Lady Jill Biden will be traveling tomorrow uh, to Buffalo, uh, New York. Earlier today, uh, the mayor, Byron Brown, the mayor of Buffalo, Byron Brown, and the police chief, they spoke at the same news conference uh, as the attorney general and the uh, assembly majority leader. Here's what they had to say.
18: I want to thank the members of the media for joining us. We're going to have an extended press briefing this afternoon. As we begin this new week, Our community continues to grieve and heal. Uh, We are a strong community. We are rallying around one another, and we will continue to move forward as a strong city of Buffalo, county of Erie, and western New York region. Uh, Late today, we have been made aware of many social media posts going around with possible threats. I want to be clear, Buffalo Police and our partnering law enforcement agencies standing here are investigating these social media posts and will prosecute if necessary. And I want to emphasize arrests have already been made and you'll be here hearing more about those. I'm now going to turn things over to Buffalo Police Commissioner Joseph Cromaglia. Thank you, Mayor.
3: So, as I said before, this is a a very long investigation. It's going to continue to be a very lengthy investigation. The scene is still being processed. Search warrants have been obtained and executed, and they will still be obtained. There's a lot of uh, digital footprint, uh, electronics, that we'll have to go through. So that process is ongoing. Um, Information has also come as a result of some of this investigation that the individual was here a few months ago back in early March. Um, so, as I said, uh, there's a lot of material to go through, so that uh, we have confirmed now that it appears that individual was here uh, back a couple of months ago in early March. So at this point, like I said, going to be a lengthy investigation. Things will change, information will change as we uh, become aware of that. Uh, that's about all I have on the investigation at this point. Okay, perfect. Thank you.
6: All right, folks, uh, joining us right now is Alex Barrio, Director of the Advocacy for Gun Violence Prevention. The center for american progress We continue to be joined by uh jeff Carter, Makongo dabinga and uh dr Julian Malvo. glad to have uh you with us alex um we, we we have to deal with the reality of gun laws again um whenever these things happen uh frankly we're sick and tired of hearing uh thoughts and prayers from republicans who do nothing about this these are people who are advancing this they don't care about ar-15s they want people to be armed left and right but let's understand here The security guard who was shot and killed he was armed he fired at this gunman so this whole idea that oh if we just arm everybody is going to avert uh these sort of mass shootings is not the case in fact there were four mass shootings this weekend
17: so thank you um look we are living in a country now where for the past two years since covid we have seen huge spikes in gun sales and corresponding with that we've seen those spikes happening in states where Republicans have loosened gun laws, and, as a result, there has been an increase in shootings and an increase in police officers themselves being targeted. We saw, the CDC release data last week, that gun homicide rose by 34 percent from 2019 to 2020, and gun homicide is now the leading cause of death, or guns generally, including suicides, is now the leading cause of death amongst people 17 and under in our country. We know that there are laws that other countries have, literally every other Western country in the world, to prevent these sorts of deaths. But our country, our government, especially the Senate, beholden to special interests, and a Republican Party that is simply uninterested in doing anything are keeping us back from actually protecting all the people in this country from this violence.
6: And the thing that's that's, that's crazy um, when, when, when you see this you know, these are the same people who are decrying all the increase in violence in America. So you you think changing the gun laws has no impact on that?
17: No. I mean, absolutely. What they point to is this increase in violence, and they, their solution is always, well, let's just bring more guns into the conversation. We know that that is not the solution. We have seen in the past two years, specifically, increases in road rage killings, increases in interpersonal violence, increases in police officers being shot. In Iowa, right now, a police officer was shot, and the defendant is claiming, stand your ground. As these states have moved to not just expand permitless carry, as Florida is now poised to do, as Georgia just did a few weeks ago, they have flooded our streets with guns and then blame the victims for the incidents.
6: And that is and, and, and just so people understand uh, again w- what we're dealing with, uh, I, I just saw this here. Uh, I'm gonna pull this thing up in a second. Uh, so here you have uh, what is one of the which actually uh, it's now the highest rated show on cable news highest rated show uh, on cable news Alex uh, uh, the five on Fox News. they devoted four seconds to the Buffalo shooting.
17: I'm not surprised.
6: This four seconds, a- not, not four minutes. And literally, it was a and here's the crazy thing. It was a passing comment from Geraldo Rivera about a comment the Vice President Kamala Harris made somewhere else on climate change. So these people, they, 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 they complain about violence, they complain about critical race theory, they advance the Great Replacement Theory, they literally do not want to tell their old, white, conservative audience what they should be hearing. This, sh- this right here, four seconds. They do not give a damn. And they damn sure to give a damn about black life.
17: No, absolutely. It is... They do not want to take responsibility for their rhetoric. They do not want to take responsibility for their policies. They do not want to live in the reality that we all live in. Fox News is a fantasy world. They're totally disconnected from the daily lives of the people that you and I and many of your viewers work with and interact with every single day. They do not want to admit that the policies that they pursue and that they advance and the arguments that they make for great replacement theory are contributing to the loss of innocent life all over this country.
6: Um, th- th- this, this, this issue of, of, of guns, uh, Julian, uh, earlier you talked about uh, what uh, someone said on a radio show that you were on and, and absolu- absolutely folks should protect themselves F- the fact, fact of the matter is let's be clear uh, black folks were protecting themselves during the during the black freedom movement uh, with the deacons of defense and others who were doing so uh, but what you have is you have an orchestrated plan by the right where everything is guns, guns, guns and what we saw with the legislatures in the past year Georgia, Texas and others they literally passed Uh, bills say, oh, the hell with even a permit. You can just now carry a concealed weapon. No permit. No nothing. Just everybody. Guns, guns, guns. That's the answer. More guns in America.
14: You know, Roland, they've made it more difficult for African Americans to get guns. Um, If you're a felon, it's difficult for you to get a gun. Um, There are many other ways that folks cannot get guns. But a random little white boy with an attitude and no sense can get not... A gun, but an arsenal. So there's some, while I don't agree with them, I, well, I partially agree with the brothers. I don't completely, you know, I'm a native San Franciscan and the Black Panther Party for self defense, let's repeat that the Black Panther Party for self defense believed that we had to defend ourselves because nobody else will do it. Now, I don't, again, I don't want ch- shootouts at the OK Corral. But I want black people to be defended. I want to be able to go to church without wondering whether or not some fool with a gun with an arsenal is going to come in and start shooting people, as they did up in South Carolina. Um, My church, my home church in D.C., has been vandalized, Metropolitan AME Church. I want to be able to go to church to worship, to contribute, and not to feel like someone's going to vandalized by church. And so I understand what people are saying about guns, but the, but the big responsibility is these Republicans who basically are trying to take back our country, uh, one black body at a time. And that's what I see. I mean, I, I appreciate you're showing the pictures of the people who were massacred. They were massacred. And I appreciate um, all the folks who've said so much about what has happened there. Well, we have to talk to these, we have to vote these people out. We just, I mean, there's a lot of ways to say it subtly. Vote these suckers, these suckers who are essentially rearming themselves. And, you know, I recall, I mentioned this woman on your program before, Dr. Olivia Hooker, who was a survivor of uh, Tulsa until she passed in 2019. And she was 103 when she passed. But Dr. Hooker said... That Tulsa was not about the intersection of Dick Rowland and Sarah Page, the young black man, the young white girl who was the elevator operator, that white people have been arming themselves for a long time and were waiting for something to happen. Now, these uh, white identity extremists, they've also been arming themselves. And, you know, mental illness, I don't want to hear about mental illness. As far as I'm concerned, anybody who does not like critical race theory Anybody who does not believe in teaching the truth, they have a mental illness. There are a whole lot of mental illnesses running around here. But the fact is that many, these white rage people have been arming themselves against our community and the Republicans and the Tucker causes of the world have enabled them. Tucker needs to be thrown off the air. Um, That boy's parents need to be charged as accomplices to those 10 murders. We could do this, but then you get a DA like that uh man who sat stood next to the sister in the previous segment talked about due process. What kind of due process? I got some due process for it. Put him in a small cell with about three um, members of the baddest gang you know. That's due process.
6: Alex, one of the things that uh, again, as we're talking about you know gun laws, um, this uh, conservative Supreme Court could very well uh, strike down the gun laws in New York to make it even more easier for people to be able, uh, to get guns?
17: Absolutely. What New York... What the Supreme Court now is looking at is, in New York, there is a law that requires people to get permits and trainings and also get an approval from their local police department to buy a gun. This law is similar to laws all over the country, everywhere from Charlotte to California. Um, what they have the potential to do is enact permitless carry across the entire country. what that would essentially mean is no more requirements for training, no more safety education, none of that in the states, 25 states that have those sorts of programs now. All that would go away, and it would become so much easier, not just for people to legally buy a gun, but also to illegally acquire a gun if, for some reason, they can't uh, pass a background check or they can't wait three days. Right now, we know people can go to gun shows and buy guns without background checks and waiting periods. They can order guns online. They can build their own ghost gun kits. And what the Supreme Court is potentially doing is creating a situation where, where a country that already has 400 million guns in our streets could very rapidly end up with five, six, 700 million guns and no opportunity to stop it.
6: And just, <laughs> Jeff, this is um, a headline in the New York Post where um, if you want to show just how crazy uh, some of these people are, relatives of this killer. This is, go, go to my, this, I, I can't even believe these people would even even say this, but relatives of the killer Uh, actually are trying to suggest that uh, COVID COVID, um, was a reason that he snapped because of uh, his paranoia and isolation from the COVID-19 pandemic. Man, come on, man. Come on.
5: Wow. You know, I counsel a lot of people and people... Snapping is very, very real. Uh, people tend to lose it. Uh, I've been in family situations. I've been in corporate situations. I've been in church situations of all faiths. Uh, when there is a buildup and people actually explode, uh, it's usually a case of the straw breaking the camel's back. There's a series of events that end up from racial weathering to uh, bullying to uh, a string of unfortunate events that eventually leads up to one incident and that opens up the jar and Pandora's box is there. It's, it's everybody in proximity that just goes down. I've seen this, it's human nature. We've got to state that. We all may have been in a situation where we've just had some bad days and somebody says the wrong thing. However, when you get in your car uh, and you visit a location and scope it out, when you come back the day before to case the joint, and you find specifically and have a conversation on one radio station today, apparently he had a conversation with someone who came up to him because they said, you just don't seem to fit in the neighborhood. And he had a very clear conversation about religion and politics and talked to him for a long time. And although it struck the man strange that this white kid would be in this particular neighborhood east of Maine uh, in Buffalo, he just kind of waved it off and said, you know, he looked out of place, but I kept going that is a conscious planning effort to do harm. So no, this is not the case where somebody snapped. This is not the case of social isolation. Uh, You would not put a GoPro camera on your helmet, open up a Twitch account, drive these hundreds of miles and then be conscious enough, because if you note the video, and to add to what Dr. Omikongo said, I, I appreciate you uh, for, number one, devoting so much time to unpacking this, but at the same time, not participating in the violence porn that has become the standard uh, clip clickbait in America by showing all of the footage. But you we were wise enough, Roland, to show us a very salient moment, a very lucid moment, where he was pointing this... Uh, racial epithet-laden barrel of this massive weapon of destruction, individual destruction, he was pointing it around and discovered the white employee on the floor. And he was about to shoot him and he said, I don't think, I, I don't remember exactly the language, he said, I'm sorry or oh, oh my bad, whatever it may have been. He was conscious enough to not shoot one of his perceived brothers, but then go on the hunt to find other people. That's not a case of snapping. It's not a case of emotional breakdown. It is cold-calculated murder, and we have to address it as such. (sighs) Uh, it is on tape we have the entire tape we have the entire manifesto we have the entire uh, uh, le- uh story of him uh, coming to school in a hazmat suit and making threats so this is very clear we have to now begin to address the issues uh, that alex has brought up with the hundreds of millions of guns that are in America today and find ways while we have this window to pass the legislation that we need to pass to make sure that there is some fairness and some equity and we can at least put a dent in some of this violence.
6: So Alex, w- if you've got a you know conservative Supreme Court that frankly will side on w- w- with folks when it comes to guns, if you've got uh, these Republicans who don't care uh, you've got uh, even though you got a weakened NRA, I mean uh, you know what, you know what do we do? You simply you don't have, it's not like you've got uh, gun loving Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema willing to uh, break the filibuster. And so at the end of the day, The way this is going, we're going to see more and more lax gun laws in this country, and I mean more and more guns flooding the streets.
17: No, and it is a very, very frightening and frustrating moment that we are in right now. But we have to remember the Supreme Court, as it is currently constituted, is not forever. Clarence Thomas is 73, Alito is 72. These people will retire, and we will be able to replace them. In the meantime, with regards to the specific case that they're dealing with now, that will only affect state legislative laws. The federal government will still be able to ban assault weapons, will still be able to expand universal background checks for every gun sale. And the ATF, with a permanent director, will be able to crack down on illegal gun sales, on dealers, on Internet sellers that are violating the laws that we already have on the books. Right now, the most important thing you can do is contact your senator and make sure that they confirm an ATF director who will have a hearing in the next few weeks and work with your local advocates who are working to lobby the Biden administration on new executive actions, because we do have an opportunity to expand background checks. We do have opportunities to keep guns out of the hands of domestic abusers. We know for a fact most of these mass shooters have histories of domestic violence. This shooter in Buffalo himself published, besides the 180-page manifesto, a private diary of over 500 pages that includes histories of animal torture, suicidal ideation, all sorts of warning signs that were ignored. Most importantly, if you're a parent out there who is concerned, talk to your children. Look for the signs, someone who is extremely online, who is going down the rabbit hole on websites like 8chan, who is talking to gamers, who is being radicalized by this organic movement that is happening online, that is extreme, and make sure that they are avoiding it. The fact is, this young man was radicalized in 2020 while on COVID, as his parents refused to see the signs. He was under investigation by the FBI for threatening a school shooting, and they still allowed him to sell all his personal belongings to buy tactical gear and weapons. Parents have to step up to protect their children, and as a country, we have to step up and fight with this administration and with the Senate to make sure that our people are protected and these guns are taken off our streets and out of our homes.
6: Um, Alex Barrio, I certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much.
17: Thank you.
6: Um, you know, we're going to... It, it's just... Uh, I said earlier, Julian, I'm um, a Congo in chef, that... Um, Just forget this whole idea. I'm not interested uh, in forgiving. Um, What we need to understand is that white Americans in this country, I didn't say all, but you got a significant percentage on the Republican side. This is about power. If you read the manifesto, 180 pages. You look at the craziness that was all in there. Uh, and, and you look at what he was saying. You look at uh, this, all of this sort of stuff again, talking about um, talking about uh, replacement theory. For, for those who are not grabbing a gun and going to kill black people, <clears throat> they want to actually kill black advancement. I I was, I I got some tweets a little bit earlier, some text messages a little bit earlier. Um, Actually, before I go to that, uh, I want y'all to go to the page of this manifesto uh, where it's headed, was there a particular event or reason you decided to commit to a violent attack? And um, first of all, he lays out, and back fact, uh, one expert said that literally this killer uh, has given people a blueprint, if you will. A blueprint for the next shooter. I mean, he literally lays this whole thing out. I'm going to go to the other television. Y'all pulled up in the other TV. Uh, so, um, so, 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 so pull it up. Pull up on this monitor here, and I want people to actually see what, what, what he writes. What he writes in here. Um, and I mean, he, he says in here, um, come on, pull the graphic up, please. Thank you. Uh, if, if you see in here, he literally lays out. He's, he, he looked at 4chan, okay? He says, there I learned through infographics, uh, shit posts and memes that the white race is dying out. That blacks are disproportionately killing whites. That the average black takes $700,000 from taxpayers in their lifetime and that the Jews and the elite were behind this. Then he says, from there I also found other sites like World Truth Videos website, Daily Archives, Daily Stormer, where through data and exposure to real information, I learn the truth. We are doomed by low birth rates and high rates of immigration. Later, again, eventually I couldn't take it anymore. I told myself that eventually I was going to kill myself to escape this fate. My race was doomed, and there was nothing I could do about it. So when you hear that, Julian, and then you listen to Ted Cruz, Elise Stefanik, when you listen to all of these people, When you listen to Fox News, when you listen to political leaders, they literally are saying the exact same thing, just in a little more cute way.
14: Well, I wouldn't necessarily call it cute, Roland. I mean, they're using coded language to uh, send out these signals that it's okay to hate black people. Uh, We saw this. We began with, uh, it didn't begin with him, but we saw the most uh, glaring examples when the forty-fifth uh, president was running and started talking about Mexicans as rapists. As he came down that escalator, there's so many things that he said that really opened up the doors. Uh, he said there were good people on both sides in Charlottesville. Um, that there's no condemnation there, and so then you, you this opens a door, and the door has the floodgates have come through. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene with her putrid behind, uh, with the things that come spewing out of her mouth. And there's so many of them, and they're doing it, they don't believe this stuff. What they're doing is playing to the class interests of low life, low income, struggling white people. A better solution would be to have public policy made the economy work for all. But that's just too much like right. Instead, they are inciting these people, voting out good people, moderate Republicans, uh, Democrats, so they can get in these extremists and these white identity extremists want to take the country back. Someone, I believe it was, uh, Jeff made the point earlier about minorities, about who, who's in the minority, who's in the majority. The fact is that if you look at states like Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, black people were the majority. Virginia were the majority at once upon a time. They systematically eliminated us, and still we rise. And so systematically, here they come to attempt to eliminate us again. And we can't stand for it. Uh, I'm so glad you had Al Green on earlier, but I, we have to empower and enable all of the members of the Congressional Black Caucus to do good legislation. And we've got to get our young people in the pipeline to work on this. But most importantly, we've got to take control of the narrative and make sure that we're telling the truth. That poor, deluded young man, I have no sympathy for him, but you know he's deluded. But not only is he deluded, he had parents who did not care. He comes out of the community who did not care. And not to pick on Tucker, oh, Hilda, let me pick on Tucker. But these conservatives on Fox, who couldn't give but four seconds to what happened in Buffalo, but spend time after time after time basically reiterating this racist message. There have to be laws. Yes, I'm not talking about restricting your speech. I'm talking about inciting a murder. And that's what they did.
6: Um, So, uh, Omakongo. uh, when we talk about this, this, this replacement theory as well. Okay, here is J.D. Vance. <clears throat> and I'm going to play it. He is the Republican nominee in Ohio. Trump endorsed. Um, elite made a bunch of money. Um, you know. Then now it was a never Trumper. Now all of a sudden he's been kissing Trump's behind. Uh, listen, this was an ad that he has run, and so I showed you what what the white domestic terrorist uh, wrote in his manifesto. Listen to what Vance actually has says in one of his ads.
16: Are you a racist? Do you hate Mexicans? The media calls us racist for wanting to build Trump's wall. They censor us, but it doesn't change the truth. Joe Biden's open border is killing Ohioans with more illegal drugs and more Democrat voters pouring into this country. This issue is personal. I nearly lost my mother to the poison coming across our border
6: more democratic voters coming across the border y'all that's being cute with replacement theory now if you don't if you don't again you think um so this is
16: him uh with tucker carlson on fox news on March 17th. People are doing it by design. It's good policy from their very warped perspective because they're accomplishing the invasion of the country that they that they should love, but of course they don't. And you have to ask yourself who's benefiting from this and who's getting rich from it. And there's two big answers. First of all, chamber of commerce style Republicans and Democrats who love the cheap labor, who love the fact that these immigrants are displacing America's workers, but also Democrat politicians who have decided that they can't win re-election in 2022 unless they bring in a large number of new voters to replace the voters that are already here. That's what this is about. We have
6: replacement theory and that's the game. And so when these racists on 4chan, i when they hear this stuff, they hear QAnon, 4chan, all these, all these white daily stormer, they, when I, that's why I used the word cute so all of a sudden it's like well hold up a US Senate candidate from Ohio yep, Tucker yep, Lar Ingram yep, all these Donald Trump people, yep and so they just take it to a whole different level, that's what we are experiencing and they literally <clears throat> are weaponizing this and these are the, this white domestic terrorist is one of their stormtroopers they who they're, they're sending out
15: Yeah, stormtrooper is such an accurate term. And quite honestly, this is why I said in our earlier segment that he did not act alone. He is working in tandem with these guys as a foot soldier getting out and doing this work. And that is why the November election of 2022 is more important than the 2024 election, because it's really going to show the direction that America really wants to go in. And as Tim Wise and others tonight have been calling on more white, quote unquote, you know, liberal media outlets to step up and more white politicians to step up. We have to understand that we've been here before. I'm going to read something that Dr. King wrote. He said, as a nation, Negro and white trembled with outrage at police brutality in the South. Police misconduct in the North was rationalized, tolerated, and usually denied. Leaders in the Northern and Western states welcomed me to their cities and and showered praise on the heroism of Southern Negroes, yet when the issues were joined concerning local conditions, only the language was polite, the rejection was firm and unequivocal. And that speaks to the white electorate going into the election in November, because people will talk about this is sad, go out and have a little bit of prayers and this and that, but when it comes down to it, who are they going to vote for? Donald Trump got more votes in 2020 than he did in 2016. That means that there are still people out there who will sympathize with him, and people like him and J.D. Vance, and you mentioned the manifesto, and we know that all of these guys had manifestos. The Pittsburgh shooter of the Jewish synagogue was talking about, we have to stop this invasion. Dylan Roof was talking about these black men are taking our women, but conveniently the majority of the women, people he killed at that church were women. But anyway, I digress. This is what they do. They all have a plan that they follow, and this is the time right now There is no middle ground. Silence is compliance. You are either part of the solution or part of the problem. We need to get out there and vote the people in office who are going to fight the NRA, who are going to fight J.D. Vance, who are going to fight Ellie Pada. All of these guys, and I know it was said that these guys don't really mean it, but I do believe that they mean it. I do believe that they say racist things because they are racist. Period, bottom line. And they want to see us gone. And it's not just because they're getting some some contributions here and there. They have been given the opportunity to express all of their arrogance and ignorance and racism, and they are not going to stop until we stop them with our vote. And before that, the economic boycott and pressures that need to be put on these corporations, because it's white supremacist, white replacement theory is real. And the scary thing about this one, Roland Martin, and Reverend Al Sharpton talked about this earlier today, is that it's not that he targeted a, a political rally or you know a, a Black Lives Matter protest. This is a grocery store. And it really shows that no place is safe. Yep. And you never know who is coming for you. It could happen at any moment. Let's take action before any of us are next.
6: Yep. Uh, Jeff, uh, I said earlier uh, that experts say that what this white domestic terrorist has done is lay out Uh, a blueprint. This is literally, he put in the manifesto a map. He put a map how he was going to go through the store and shoot and kill. Says, I first shoot the security guard and kill him uh, by shooting uh, through the front doors of the glass. Uh, His most common areas are located in orange. he goes, I shoot all black people twice in the chest if possible. I turn left to the cash registers and open fire (coughs) on the expected crowd of people at the cash registers. According Mm. to user reviews, the store is notorious for being slow. Some will run away along the aisles. I make sure I never stop firing. Uh, I shoot all, and this is the key, because he actually did this. I shoot all downed blacks twice in the head, making my way to the register and aisles again and back to the deli and back to the entrance. I should be leaving at about 4.04. And then he says, uh, then I will go into my car and make it south on Jefferson Avenue where I will take my Mossberg 500 and Savage Axes out from the seat and shoot all blacks on the streets. He wanted to kill more than 10 yes. people. Yes,
5: yes. And the role of the template he's using, when we say he's setting the tone for other people, Uh, to model themselves after we have to understand that he's only a microcosmic element in this the greater macrocosm is he's doing what he learned to do in america when people talk about prejudice and racism uh, we can get in the weeds when we allow ourselves to go back and forth. We heard somebody brought up the comment earlier that there are good people on both sides and we start hearing this kind of conversation from people like Carlson, from people like uh, President Trump. We start hearing this conversation from the right. Well, there's bad things on both sides. Let's be very honest and very specific about what we're talking about. Yes, everyone is prejudiced, but the difference between prejudice and racism is the power and ability to turn your personal prejudice into consistent public policy. So what we're seeing is the systemic energy that is reinforcing this racism. We know if we study neuropsychology and neurophysiology that the human brain is formed in terms of your subconscious by the experiences that you have from zero to about seven years old. That's how you frame out who you are. When we hear people talking about these parents have to do a better job, Uh, These parents have to pay more attention. These parents are doing exactly the job they're supposed to do. They are paying attention because the child absorbs the mentality of the parent. We are not taught to hate. We're not taught to uh, weaponize ourselves. We're not taught that naturally. Someone has to guide us in that direction. If that guidance is deliberate, if it's specific, and we're sitting in a chair being taught how to read, write, and enact racist and white supremacist uh, thoughts and actions, that's one way. Leaving them alone to the internet to find new and creative ways to reinforce what we've seen and what they've seen in their family, that's another way. We are at a crossroads in this country. And as a spiritual leader, I literally have to try to see the divine in everyone. So the concept of the Sanskrit word, namaste, the divine in me recognizes the divine in you. In the Baptist church, we used to say the Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you, and we are taught to do that. In this case, you have to struggle to find the divine in people who are continuing to not only enact these horrific acts of hatred and violence, but to ignore them, to support them, to explain them away, to reinforce them, which makes you as guilty as the person who pulled the trigger. I tried to find something good in J.D. Vance. The only thing I could find about J.D. Vance and not say anything personally or negative about him is that his uh, his eyeliner is on fleek. But his message is the same. Hmm. His message is the same hateful nexus. So I wanna say to this, and I'm, I'm gonna say this because we brought this up on this show before. I'm gonna give a challenge to my lighter skinned white brothers and sisters out there in the world particularly to my so-called progressives. I often call them fogressives. And the reason why I call them fogressives is when we're talking about the inner city uh, in places like Nashville and in places like uh, New York and other places that where we're seeing ourselves being disempowered politically, it's not the white Republican conservatives who are moving into our neighborhoods and gentrifying our homes. It's not them who are pushing us out to the margins of any given city. It's the progressive, so-progressive whites who come in, they take grandmama's house, and then the next thing they do is, once the neighborhood is 90% white, they put Black Lives Matter signs in the front yard. My message to that population of people who could be a very powerful political force to tip the scale is to grow a pair. We need you to grow a pair. This last weekend, I was in rural Tennessee, East Tennessee, doing a wedding. All you see is MAGA signs along the highways, but you see something else. You see infrastructure. Hundreds of millions of dollars in Tennessee, in a red state, have been pushed toward infrastructure in rural communities to give them broadband. What do they do with broadband? They get on the internet to specific websites that reinforce their mentalities. What did they do with infrastructure? They built more homes. They built more infrastructure that blocks us out of rural America. Listen, if you're a white progressive who wants to tip the scale and you're in a state that is tipping red because power is being shifted to rural communities, grow a pair. Stop moving into neighborhoods and gentrifying them. Move your behind to the country where you can influence elections and then destroy the gerrymandering plan that has been happening for the last 30 years coming out of the Republican Party. If you really want to be an ally, make it so that people like black women in Georgia and other states and South Carolina and North Carolina do not have to keep showing up to, quote unquote, save democracy. You have an opportunity to put yourself in the belly of the beast, and this is where the resources and the time and the energy comes from if you really want to help us make a change that is going to systemically bring us together in fairness and equity.
6: Uh, I'm going to um, go to a break um, reading uh, this particular tweet uh, by uh, Cliff Albright. I think uh, uh, it is certainly uh, appropriate uh, when you think about... um, 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 what uh, he says and what those people actually endured. Uh, Let me uh, pull it up here. Uh, This is what he says. Uh, He says, I keep thinking about how six of the victims were age 62 plus. They had lived through church bombings in the 60s and Selma's Bloody Sunday. Some lived through the murder of Emmett Till and other lynchings. They lived long enough to see a black president in an anti-lynching bill a century late. And these, of course, uh, are the names and the ages of those who were gunned down this weekend as Black Voters Matters uh, pays tribute to them. Folks, we'll be right back on Roland Martin Unfiltered and the Black Star.
12: network.
6: Why is it so hard to see Panther? What what's the deal? Bruh. I mean, if you go to Amazon, I think I tried. Man. So I have a collection of. of That's a, a hard movie. A they charge you three hundred dollars
7: on Amazon. I was like,
6: I'm not about to pay no four hundred dollars yeah. for a VHS copy. Bruh. What's the deal, man? It is.
2: It is interesting, Roland. It is the movie they don't want you to see.
6: Power
7: to the people.
2: It's funny. I made New Jack City. You can get it anywhere. Posse, you can see it anywhere. But but a movie that says that. It is not an accident that we medicated the black communities right around the time when they were getting militant, when you had the Panthers starting to organize, the people starting to vote and march on Washington. We, we let these communities get medicated. In fact, that comes up in The Godfather, you know, where they say, as long as it stays in the mm-hmm. black communities. So we asked the question, they tried to say, ask us questions, I asked them the, the reporters when we did, I said, listen, why is it a 13-year-old boy in the hood can find a, a way to buy a gun, some liquor, or a church or some crack and yet you can't find them to arrest those people. You can't arrest that dealer. Why is that?
14: Hey everybody, this is Sherry Shepard. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered and while he's doing Unfiltered, I'm practicing the wobble. I am, because Roland Martin's the one. He will do it backwards. He will do it on the side. He messes everybody up when he gets into the wobble, because he doesn't know how to do it, so he does it backwards. And it just messes me up every single time. So I'm working on it. I got it. You got
8: Roland Martin.
5: Hi, my name is LaToya Luckett, and you're watching Roland Martin
1: Unfiltered
8: what's going on everybody it's your boy mac wilds and you are watching roland martin unfiltered
1: what's up y'all it's ryan destiny and you're watching roland martin unfiltered what
6: up lana well and you are watching roland martin unfiltered Quite difficult to read um, some of the items that have been written on some of these folks. Um, one of the one of the ladies was uh, very much an activist there in Buffalo. Another another woman, the women uh, sisters, who was shot and killed. Uh, her pantry every Saturday uh, passed out food uh, in uh, Central Park every single Saturday. Uh, there were people who were church deacons, and we can go on and on and on. I mean, these are just regular ordinary uh black folks who are going about their business um a one mom sent her daughter to the store uh, to get some items to make strawberry shortcake she never made it home she found out about her daughter being killed on facebook Uh, already the families have been hiring attorneys to represent them attorney ben crump has been hired by one of the families this is him speaking at a news conference today in buffalo
7: My mom got up that morning, and she went up to High Point, up to the nursing home, to care for the love of her life. My father, 68 years at married. he's in that nursing home for the last eight years, and every day she went there to care for him, to make sure that he had a quality of life, to do what nobody else could do for him. She did that when she didn't feel like it, she did it. And she didn't feel like it on this past day either. But she did it anyway. She left there to get groceries on the way home. And she encountered this evil, hateful. She didn't deserve that. She didn't deserve that. Nobody deserves that. How can we just sit here You guys are out here covering this. What are we going to do to change it? How do we hold people accountable if you don't help us? We're thankful that you're here. But it's just not some story to drive the news cycle. This is not—this is our mother. This is our lives. We need help. We're asking you to help us. Help us change this. This this is—this is—can't keep happening. I can go on and on. I can go on and on talking about my mother, how she loved us, what she did for us. I was going to miss her. We had no answers. What do we tell our father? We don't even know. He doesn't know. What do we tell him? How do we tell him the love of his life, his primary caretaker, the person who kept him alive for the last eight years, how do we tell her that she's gone? Not just that she's gone, but she's gone at the hands of a white supremacist, of a terrorist, of an evil person who's allowed to live among us and keep perpetuating this madness. How do we tell him that? What do we do to treat him in a manner consistent with what he's used to going forward without her, None of us can take her place. That's what we're left with.
6: That was former Buffalo Fire Commissioner Garnell Whitfield uh, speaking at the news conference today. The attorney, Ben Crump, held with uh, a number of family members. Attorney Crump will be joining us tomorrow uh, on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, And, folks, let me know the status of when the mayor of Buffalo is going to be joining us as well. Uh, As I said earlier, President Joe Biden is going to be speaking tomorrow. The White House has already uh, sent out an email. uh, I saw it a little bit earlier Uh, I believe um, he is going to be giving remarks uh, around, let's see here, Uh, President Biden will be giving remarks around 1 p.m. But Congo. what does this president need to say tomorrow to the nation?
15: The president needs to talk about the direct actions he is going to take. He talked, and your other guests and Mr. Barrio talked about it earlier. He said that there's a whole other list of executive actions that President Biden can engage in. He needs to do that effectively immediately. I don't know why they haven't been done. I mean, he's done some things on ghost guns and all of that. But he needs to talk about the actions he is going to take. And I'm glad you gave us a little bit of seconds between that last the brother who spoke and coming to us because it, 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 it was too much, man. I think one of the other men who was killed was getting some groceries for movie night, you know, with his, which my family does every Saturday night. And you know, President Biden, yes, he, he's a consoler in chief, and yes, he's gonna show some compassion, but like the brother said, what's supposed to happen now? We need action. Give us a five point plan, a 10 point plan. What's gonna happen tomorrow? What what executive orders are gonna come out? What pressures are you gonna start putting on companies? Not just that only dealing with the guns, but the tactical equipment and all of this other stuff that people is easier to get. Are you gonna have some targeting things towards these social media companies because the laws have not caught up with the things that they are able to do as it relates to this streaming? That's what we need from him. He. Consoling words, fine, get it off the way in the first two minutes or whatever. We need solid action. We put you in office to take action. You said that you will never let down the black community for having your back. We need to see that now.
6: Julian.
14: I echo everything that o- Oma Congo has said. I think that President Biden has to come strong. He has to come firm. He has to make a strong anti-racist comment. I mean, he has to really talk about this racism that pervades our nation. He has been good but not great on matters of race. And this is his opportunity to be great. He really has to talk about the pervasiveness. It wouldn't hurt if he said something about the anti-critical race theory crowd. It wouldn't hurt if he didn't talk about the lives and history. It would not hurt if he even talked about Buffalo's history and some of the things that we know about those folks segregated over there on the east side and the fact that they are now in a food desert because there's no place for them to buy groceries until tops is restored. He could make a huge difference. Unfortunately, I think that Brother Biden has often been very tepid around these matters and I think that he needs to, I, I don't like the gendered reference, uh, uh, Jeff Carr about growing some because uh, I don't know what you're going to have women grow but that's another story, but he needs to do that whatever it is, uh, get a backbone how's that, that's better than growing some get a backbone, speak out to what, say what you believe and believe what you say, black women have had your back now you better have ours, these old sisters died, I'm glad that there was time because I don't get very emotional very often but this thing has really been very emotional, I think, for all of us. And Brother Biden has the opportunity, the opportunity to, to reject racism in the same way that that previous president embraced it when he said um, there are good people on both sides. There ain't no good people here. None.
6: Jeff.
5: Yes, and, and to my sister, who, I, who is one of my heroes, I hope you understand that we all have this dual nature inside of us. So growing a pair means growing a pair both internally and externally. So that's a, that's a reference that goes for both because we have strength in that ability to reproduce together. So our women and our men, all of them in that category, definitely need to grow a pair uh, and get a backbone and grow a spine because we're seeing that that's missing. I think about Dr. J. Robert Bradley, a gospel legend who lived here in Nashville. He was a vocal coach for uh, Mahalia Jackson. And when I was in my 30s, I had an opportunity to be a caretaker for him. And He told me stories about the civil rights movement and the pain that they faced, the elders faced in that moment. And he would sing that song, My Living Will Not Be In Vain. And you, you all know that because of the hell you would sing that. It was Dr. King's favorite song. Of, if I can help somebody as I pass along, then my living will not be in vain. We have to stand in a space right now where we're making sure that our living will not be in vain. So what I want to share uh, as I close out today uh, is that the ancestors that we saw, the family members that we saw, we recognize that it could have been any of our family members, uh, and that was left up to chance. Uh, But we want you to know, and we want the families who are watching this show, who will have an entire two hours devoted to telling their stories as opposed to five seconds, that your living and their living will not be in vain. We recognize that transition from this body is life in the space beyond what our earth suits can handle. And those of us who are here, who are watching this program, who are producing this program, who are bearing down to make sure these stories are told, we are standing on the shoulders of those who came before, and our struggle is made stronger. As far as President Biden and his comments tomorrow, earlier in those uh, video, he said a line, he said, being a policeman is a lot harder than it's ever been. What I'm expecting to hear from President Biden tomorrow through words and action is that being black and going shopping in America today is a lot harder than it's ever been. And we're going to do something to make sure that it's no longer that hard.
15: Um, I'll
6: say this. Uh, I believe that the speech tomorrow President Joe Biden is going to be the most important speech of his presidency. Um, If you look at the history of presidents, um, national tragedies uh, are significant in terms of how they speak to the country. You think about President Reagan speaking to the nation after the Challenger disaster. Uh, You think about President Bill Clinton uh, speaking to the nation after the Oklahoma City bombing. You think about President George W. Bush speaking to the nation after uh, the tragedy of 9-11. You think about uh, the multiple gun tragedies that President Obama spoke about, Sandy Hook, the murder spree, mass shooting in Fort Hood. You think about uh, the shooting of Congresswoman Gabby Giffords in Arizona, and you think about Emanuel AME. Presidents obviously offer empathy, where they talk about the soul of the nation, they talk about uh, these families. But I concur with what all of you have said. This is a speech that President Biden is going to have to be clear, firm, direct when it comes to white supremacy and white nationalism. This is not a moment for this presidency, this president to dance around this issue. This is not a moment where we are to make folk in this country feel comfortable about what has happened. This is where he is going to have to challenge white parents to have conversations with their children, when it comes to race in this country, this is where he is going to have to challenge those individuals who are so vocal speaking out against diversity, equity, and inclusion when they are unwilling to accept what is going on and how this nation is changing. This is where this president is going to also have to atone for his own comments in the 70s and the 80s being a white man who's a United States Senator from Delaware when it comes to the history of this country, when it comes to busing, when it comes to segregation, when it comes to all of these issues. What we are dealing with is an evil in this country. And there are going to be those who are going to say that the president in this moment cannot get. Political. They're going to say what they said at the funeral of Senator Paul Wellstone, who died in a plane crash, when they said that there were too many people who were speaking politically at his funeral, which makes no sense whatsoever because the reality is he was a liberal senator from Minnesota. This is where this president is going to have to draw a line and say we cannot have individuals in power in the United States House and the United States Senate come January, individuals in power in governor's mansions and state houses if they are going to embrace the same rhetoric as this white domestic terrorist. He is going to have to call it white domestic terrorism. This is not a moment for this president to go soft. This is not a moment for this president to walk on eggshells, afraid to speak, and having independents listen and Republicans out of fear of how they are going to vote. No, this president is going to have to speak directly to the people who were shot and killed in that store, the very same people who risked their lives to go to the polls to elect him in 2020. What he is going to have to understand is that when you see the faces Of the 10 people gunned down by this white domestic terrorist, these are the same people that he and his party are going to have to depend on to win in November. Now is not the time for weak. Meek, soft, impotent leadership. Now is the time for this president to make clear that America is not returning to the nation that it has always been. This is not going to be a nation that is run. and and decided by white folks for white folks. He is going to have to make clear that day is gone. The browning of America is real, and whether white folks like it or not, this is the future of this country, and they had better fully accept it, and he is going to have to challenge those in power to have the guts to follow his lead the president and his party and his administration are going to be judged by voters based upon what he says tomorrow now is not the time to talk about Bipartisanship. There is no bipartisanship with evil. There is no go along to get along with evil. Either you stand with those who are good and just those who care about this country, those who are true patriots, those who have principles, either you stand with them or not. And so if you're going to have political leaders, silent, and white conservative evangelicals, silent, If you're going to have white conservative media silent and devoting four seconds is silence, well, then you've got to have a president who is willing to stand up and call it what it is. Say what you want to say about President Lyndon Baines Johnson. But he stood in the well of the house and made clear that America was going to have to pass a Voting Rights Act, a Civil Rights Act, and the Fair Housing Act. Even with his history, he understood it was time. President Joe Biden, you ran against a racist. You ran against someone who endorsed and accepted people like this killer. You are going to have to say to the nation, there is no more coddling of these individuals. You must say that you're going to direct your FBI and the Department of Justice to root out white supremacy at every corner in this country. President Biden, tomorrow, you need to put the fear of God into every single one of these individuals who dares to try another one of these acts in the future. Your presidency hinges on what you say tomorrow and i pray that you are willing to be as firm and as direct as possible because now is not the time for weak leadership that is what the nation needs to hear and see tomorrow. And if not, I pity what happens to you and your party because you cannot continue to ask us to stand with folks who are unwilling to be engaged in the battle with us. I'll see you tomorrow on Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network.
12: Zumo Play.